Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this is a podcast where throughout the run of the show, we featured adventures, both big, small, everything in between. And this week, I think, is the biggest adventure of them all. Um, the story of the By Hand project um, with Casey and Ryan Higginbotham is something that, unlike anything anyone has ever done in the past. These two incredible twin brothers just packed up their uh, their 18-foot paddle boards and prone paddled <laughs> from Alaska all the way to Mexico. Um, so let me read a little bit. This is from their Kickstarter, which 100% you need to support like right away, right now. I've supported it. Um, they're trying to turn their story into a documentary film. I'll link the trailer on the show notes. I'll link it on our Facebook account, things like that. But definitely um, go to Kickstarter, support it. I mean, the, the thing I love about Kickstarter too is you basically just like buy the film before it comes out and it helps it actually come out and be made and stuff like that. Um, and this is a film, like if you're into adventure, if you're into endurance, this is something you're going to want to see. It's incredible. Um, so let me read a little bit from their Kickstarter website, just so you have an idea of what this project was. Um, it says, by Hand is a feature-length adventure documentary film about twin brothers that paddled 2,200 miles without support. In an attempt to escape comfort, reconnect to the natural world, and set a new bar for ocean adventure, twin brothers Casey and Ryan Higginbotham made a decision that would reshape their lives. On March 18, 2016, they embarked on a paddle from Alaska to Mexico with 18-foot paddle boards. The brothers carried nothing more than two dry bags of gear, and a camera no support boats no paddles and nothing similar to gauge from nothing like this has ever been done uh it's an incredible journey guys um i'm so excited to share this podcast like my mind was blown through uh casey's story um and you guys are going to be on the edge of your seat listening to encounters with great white sharks uh encounters with the alaskan weather like you know everyone talks about how alaska's just you know the weather is intense you know but imagine that intense weather that intensity while paddling on the ocean right now you're getting hit by waves now it's i mean that just amps it up like a hundred times in my and just a little bit more from their kickstarter page uh it's first of all, there's quotes from Jimmy Ken, Kelly Slater, like this documentary is legit. I mean, the expedition <laughs> is beyond legit. Um, Jimmy Chen's quote is as far as the expeditions go, it's got to be up there as one of the most difficult trips of any kind. And then Kelly Slater said it's like summoning Mount Everest for the first time. Those are that's high, high, high praise um, for this adventure. Uh, it says, raised with a never quit mentality on stories of the men and their family that came before them, the expedition forces the arch rivals to set aside a past filled with intense clashes in an attempt to grow into a team. Motivated by a challenge of great proportion, by hand is a coming of age story exhibiting the mentorship found in the natural world, a testament to human potential and an unspoken promise 
to never quit on your brother. I mean, come on, man. That movie sounds awesome. <laughs> like, I'm 100% in on this movie. Uh, and I can't, I've ch it's even hard for me. Like, so I talked to Casey yesterday and I'm recording the intro now, but it's still hard for me to even begin to comprehend what this experience must have been like. Um, well, first of all, I'm not a paddler. Like, I have very minimal experience in the ocean. Um, you know, the ocean to me, I'm like, that's an area where like giant animals and creatures are. And like, uh, definitely that would for sure be out of my comfort zone. But also at the same time, 2,200 miles uh, of paddling every single day, paddling, paddling, paddling for eight hours, setting up camp, um, you know, making sure we you have water, making sure you have food, like that kind of adventure is is completely it has to be completely life-changing and that's kind of what i think all of us kind of strive for when we're planning our own adventures um i really hope you guys enjoy the show uh please go on kickstarter look up by hand the film and support this movie uh it's going to blow your mind i like i said i'll link the trailer so check that out for sure and i guarantee you you'll be you'll be drawn in just like i was um Huge thanks to Casey uh, for sharing the story. Um, I really appreciated talking to you, man. Uh, <laughs> you and your brother have quite the story, man. And uh, and yeah, I think it's a story that uh, there are just some amazing lessons that all of us can draw from. And uh, yeah, man, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Uh, if you want to support us, you can go back, check out all of our old episodes. Um, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, all that stuff. Um, you can follow us uh, like a Bigfoot anywhere on social media stuff um, and kind of follow along. I'm preparing for my big adventure of the year, which uh, is a, like a week long stage race through the desert. So that should be sweet. Um, but yeah, uh, let's get right into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast, episode 148 with Casey Higginbotham. All right, guys, uh, this week I'm super honored, super excited to welcome Casey Higginbotham to the show. Uh, Casey and his brother, Ryan, you, you had this epic like i try not to use the word epic too much but i don't really know a better word to describe what you guys did so so yeah, yeah. man thanks for coming on yeah thanks for having me chris yeah uh can you kind of like i mean i'm so excited to talk about the pro your project but can you kind of just give everyone the basic idea of it uh yeah so in 2015 we came up with this idea to go start go paddle down the coast from alaska and mexico didn't really know how we were going to do it, what the best way to go about it was. And we ended up just kind of, you know, just figuring out step-by-step -step process on how we're going to make it happen. And in March of 2016, we'd gotten the boards we needed. We prepared, mapped everything, acquired the gear, trained it up. And the last thing to do is kick off. So we ended up leaving Ketchikan, Alaska on March 18, 2016. And it took us seven months to get down the border. Oh my God. And yeah, it was a monster. So, and we, we carried all of our own stuff. We were unsupported. No, no safe, no, um, 
I don't know what they call them. Never had one, like a safety boat, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Following <laughs> boat. Um, and then, yeah. And then we spent about a year and a half working on, you know, this film book, book project. And then we decided let's go for another big adventure. And we ended up kicking off on March 18th. No, sorry. October 18th. It was funny. October 18th of last year and landed in, um, started off on the border went down the whole Baja West Coast Peninsula and got into Cabo on January 2nd of this year. That's amazing, man. What? So I was an 82 dare. Yeah. Well, so what What was even the spark? Like what ignited this project? Like who thought of it, first of all? Like I, why did you guys want to do it together? Like I want to get into all that. Yeah, I think, um, well, we were, we were hammering across different ideas. We were both about to graduate from Cal Poly at the same time and we're all hey we want to like you want to go on a massive adventure like push the limits of what has been done and do that in just a different way and I remember I wanted to take courses across Mongolia (laughs) (laughs) right like we both knew nothing about horses we're all yeah that wouldn't work you know we it would end badly and um Ryan thought of paddleboarding and we don't really stand up paddleboard or anything, but we prone. We're both lifeguards. So at first it was Ryan's all, let's do the coast of California on rescue boards. And then I was like, oh, let's go bigger. So I was all, let's do the U.S. on a prone. And then Ryan said Alaska to Mexico. And that was kind of like, boom. Done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it went from there. And then once kind of once you get that idea, it holds. But the hardest thing is to bring it to fruition. And we are kind of inspired to do it by just yeah pushing pushing the limits of what people think you can do because i mean it seems pretty outlandish to go unsupported with your gear that long and you can do it you know yeah yeah man well so it just had had anyone even attempted anything of this magnitude because i know you guys were definitely the first to do that distance, but like mm-hmm. what, what's kind of, do you know much of the history of doing events like this? It just seems so unique when I first heard about it, you know? Yeah. There, there's a legendary lifeguard, Larry Capune, who paddled down East coast and a lot of different stretches in the sixties. Totally kind of different though. Cause, um, no gear, but also a lot more hardcore. Cause he's just like, he's out, he was out on his own, you know, just on a, probably a pretty uh obsolete paddleboard compared to today yeah yeah just roughing it got some crazy <laughs> situations and uh but that was kind of broken up over time according to guinness the world record is 345 miles in central america by these uh uk guys um apart from that there was not much it's yeah. a pretty it's a pretty nasty way to uh travel long distances we found out <laughs> i have to yeah. imagine man what yeah. what's your guys background like growing up were you always kind of pushing each other to do these extreme things or was this kind of just out of the blue uh yeah i mean we both yeah i mean we definitely pushed each other a lot you yeah. know <laughs> like always wrestling we're wrestling growing up yeah daring each other to do stuff. I remember one time I was daring Ryan to, <laughs> he had just broken both of his arms and I dared him to jump out of this tree and I did it. I'm like, hey, you should do it too. And then he broke his ankle and he had <laughs> cast on the arm and then on the, the ankle was hobbling around for, you know, a month and a half. 
Um, and then I did, uh, I did, when I was 19, I did the Texas Ironman. And then I think that spawned Ryan to go do an ultra marathon. And then we, I do jujitsu and judo and stuff. So he does Muay Thai. So we get really competitive fights. They get really aggressive. So it's always going back and forth. Yeah. 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 Well, that's kind of the, one of the aspects as I was, you know, previewing your guys Kickstarter and watching the little, the trailer for, for, uh, the documentary. One of the aspects that I found really interesting is the idea that these two brothers who are rivals in many, in many senses, um, and love to compete against each other are now like teaming up and they're going to do take on this, just something that is completely unheard of, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I think I know I can fully, I can fully rely on him and same to me, he could fully rely on me. But at the same time, that was the, like, that was my mom's biggest fear was that we would hurt each other out there. Not that something, you know, we would get taken by the swell or some bad storm or something or, you know, a bear, but it was that we would get into a fight out there and (laughs) severely injure each other. Yeah. Was there arguments? Like, how did you guys get along through the through oh, the time it took without a doubt but i think we literally you know the f- day one like the first time someone messed up you know I, like ryan messed up he lost a glove in the middle of alaska day four and i'm thinking this is you know great like it's over you know, now you're gonna lose, your, you're gonna lose your, your hand at least you know because there's no way we could move on from there and i was mad and just a bad teammate but I think when you really get into the guts of it, you can't do that because I need him to keep going and he needs me. So I think maybe a month in, we, even though you're, you're mad at each other, you can't react in the same way you would back home. You just have to, you have to just move on and try to find a solution to the problem. Because yeah. it, it, arguing about it wasn't going to get us any closer to moving south. Yeah, definitely. So has that kind of like changed your relationship? Um... No. <laughs> it so changed your relationship out. when you were paddling and that's it. Yeah, when you're out there you you have certain ways you can go about things. You know, like we can't go get in a fight out there. Yeah. Because that would that would hurt the goal. It's all about kind of getting reaching your goal and moving towards that. Yeah. So yeah, we'd talk shit to each other, you know. But <laughs> you can't you can't throw down out there. That's funny. Well, I think there's a whole nother aspect of a big expedition like this when you're partnered up with somebody, you know, like, cause you hear people go and do these solo expeditions and that's kind of like, that probably has its own unique challenges. But when you're partnered up with somebody, now you have to like, not only think about yourself, but you have to consider like the other person's physical well-being and mental well-being and all that stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think when you when you start adding more people into the mix, things get more difficult. There's more contingencies to take care of because every person could have all these different things go on. So I, I look at like two man team is pretty pretty ideal, but still you're looking out for them. You get a little bigger and you keep you know you add in more factors that could go wrong. Yeah, yeah. So when you guys came up with this idea, like how long from the initial idea to actually like being in Alaska, ready to you know go out into the ocean one year one year yeah like almost to the day yeah yeah what so what did that what happened during that year like how did you train for it what were other people's reactions what was your what was your mom's reaction <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, I don't think she thought we were gonna do it most people were like wait 
that's not going to happen. You know, that's not possible. And we, we started kind of, we had no idea how to do it. Like no, no clue. I'd probably done a week backcountry backpacking, you know, yeah. and I'd done endurance events. Nothing. It doesn't compare to any of it. So it was, all right, what do, well, I guess we need paddle boards. All right, let's get paddle boards. So we contacted Joe Bark. He shaped us some really good, amazing paddle boards. We got a Molokai training plan. And then it was, the, I think the big part was charting everything for each day. Distances you're going to go, where you're going to go, making sure there's a water source. So we had to nail that spot on, or at least try. Yeah. And uh, that was that was difficult. But once you figure that out, then you know how many days you're going to be out there. You know how much food you're probably going to need. You have some sort of schedule set up because you can't really you can't wing it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, so that's the that is the thing. Like the prep work going into it was that. I don't want to say obviously not easier, but like was the actual event like once you got going was it kind of like okay we're as prepared as we're gonna be and we just have to accept that or were you like oh crap we should have done more more preparation uh i mean we prepared as much as we knew we could at the time yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) there was so much more looking back oh we could have done that and that and that which we kind of did for baja but it was yeah yeah i mean it's so much harder than i expected initially you know just yeah you just we we did everything we could to be ready but you just can't prepare for the unknown which is the constant out there you know when you're exposed to the elements every day up north yeah you just can't prepare for it so it's a good lesson yeah yeah well i think like the idea of the importance of just starting something like i know obviously you guys did the prep work going in but at the end of the day, you just have to start it and know, like, be confident enough in your abilities that you're able to adapt, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you yeah. kind of speak to that a little bit? Because I think that's what kind of gets in people's way when they're thinking about an adventure, big or small. Yeah, no, that's the hardest thing. I think you just, you're going to be out of your comfort zone. You just have to accept it and just go. Cause there's, there's no recipe for that. Even if you think you're overprepared or anything, or you don't, you're, you're a nervous, but you've done proper preparation. You, you just need to go. You, everyone's going to be nervous. You're out of your comfort zone. You're doing something you haven't done. Yeah. Whether, you know, you're going for a five day expedition, you're going to go, I don't know, a new mountain, you go do a new mountain or something. I don't know, but it, you should just go for it. That's the hardest part is bringing it to fruition. Cause so many people have great ideas, you know? Yeah. It's just really hard to, you have to make that happen. And I think that's the difference sometimes whether people, yeah, go for it or they don't, not their preparation, but their inability to act and just go outside of that comfort zone and make it happen. Yeah. It's it's so important. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. Cause otherwise people get kind of hung up on the details or like, I don't have the best or like, you know, you can do a lot of research on adventures right now because you can go online and research for weeks and weeks about um, even like climbing a new mountain. You can go on and be like, research all the routes, research all the gear. But at the end of the day, you just have to go out and like start walking up it, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's a stepping off point. And if you, if you get caught up in those details, you just, you're going to, you're never going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. You, gotta, you have to go. What like what kind of training plan do you come up with for this? Let's see. We did a Molokai to Oahu. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know about that. It's a paddling world championships. 
So there's a I've heard of the race. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a 32 mile race across the Kaiwi channel. Uh, Molokai to Oahu and you we found a training plan for that and we went and used it for we it was 16 weeks I think and then we just kept building putting on more stacking more mileage onto that and then I we didn't really train with weight as we should have putting you know bags on boards but there's only so much you can do at a yeah. certain point like you're not going to want to train two months fully loaded like that you're going to be so burned out yeah yeah man well so okay so can you kind of describe day one like you get up to alaska you have your like 18 foot boards you're ready to get in like what is that like what are you guys feeling at that point oh i mean i was pretty terrified yeah (laughs) like you're like oh shit we're really here we're really oh yeah well we really have to do it now (laughs) you know yeah. Already put the pressure on, you know, we've dropped off up there. We have no ride back. We just have our paddle boards. We've, you know, talked about it long enough. We prepared. We're like, oh, shit. the only thing left to do is go. So it's that really nervous feeling of just stepping off into the unknown. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember being, I was the day before St. Patrick's Day, I was a little hungover, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Had to get a last beer in before, uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> Or five, you know? Yeah, yeah. More before uh, we jumped off, you know? Didn't know if it was going to be a one-way trip. So That's just, crazy, uh, man. Yeah, so I just remember feeling pretty pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, pretty crusty that morning. And then, yeah, just kind of suiting up. And like, oh, man, this is it. I can't believe we're doing it. And, uh, yeah, it was a beautiful day. We had waited for a weather window and then kicked off. And we I think we only went 14 miles the first day. It was like, comparably a really short day perfect conditions glassy all day and i'm like okay you know this is like i can this is cool we yeah. can do it <laughs> yeah and then yeah everything starts to change you know everything was good and then day i think day four really we got some gnarly weather yeah and you learn what it's all about it's just you're gonna be cold wet and hungry for an undisclosed amount of time yeah are you pulling over and camping out or are i mean obviously you have to do that probably quite a bit but were there moments where you like pulled over into a town and got like a hotel or what um well every 200 miles we had planned food drops kind of like they do for the pct yeah the first stretch was only a hundred just over 100 miles from ketchikan the route we took was from ketchikan to prince rupert and so we're coming into a little town where we have a food drop waiting and then you can try to try to recover for a day and then you hit it again. Yeah. So yeah, you're coming into towns here and there. Yeah. yeah. And then the, like Shearwater was the next one, which is 212 miles. So then you get there and you got to recover because you, you, there's a point when you pass the, the level of, okay, I'm fatigued to like the injury level and you want to be able to find that special zone because you're always going to be beat and fatigued because you're not getting enough calories and but you don't want to get injured because then you'll like you'll you know jeopardize the whole expedition yeah well so when when ryan lost his glove on day four and you're like your hand's gonna fall off like what how did you handle that what did you do oh i was such a dick <laughs> oh terrible teammate i just i just was so mad at him because he yeah i just didn't understand and i was like well you know i you gotta figure something out and i didn't help him and 
unfortunately i hate looking back on it but uh yeah like in terms of i was such a bad teammate i didn't help him i was like well you're you're screwed figure it out um he put a wool we got then we had some really bad weather hit and it was kind of this slushy you know sleet coming down um the water was freezing but he put a he put a wool sock on his foot and it used his booty on his hand and then paddled like that. Wow. And he said he mentally focused on pushing heat into his foot all day. And uh, I thought we were done for. And then we found literally the only building in between in between Ketchikan and Prince Rupert is this lodge, this private lodge out there. And we saw it in the storm off season. No one's there well, as far as we knew. And we just paddled up because I'm like, oh, dry ground. We can reassess, try to figure everything out. And there ended up being off-season uh, caretakers there. And some electricians, the electricians were getting picked up. Ryan got from a float plane in Prince Rupert. Ryan got a hold of a dive guy, <laughs> a commercial diver, to throw a pair of gloves on the plane. And next thing you know, we were back up and running the next day. That's nuts, man. Like, yeah. what are the chances? Like, what would you have done? You would, he would have just have to keep using the booty like or yeah, whatever i don't know is it called out. a booty <laughs> yeah booty yeah okay. like surfing booty yeah 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 uh yeah i don't know i had no idea i guess it was taken day by day we we're trying to figure it out that's awesome man like what a what an awesome coincidence that the people were actually there so oh yeah incredible that could have gone so badly <laughs> yeah what other kind of obstacles did you face in those initial like you know i i feel like the first weeks or maybe even months was figuring out a routine and figuring out what works best yeah kind of figuring out your individual goals trying to be efficient about everything water collection and food prep and just kind of i think i think getting used to the grind of you're going like you're once you when you get up in the morning till the moment you go to bed late you're just you're getting you're grinding trying to get everything done because when the paddle the paddle is just part of the day. You know, you have all these other things going on. Yeah. Try to plan for the next day. So I think getting through that and figuring that out and dealing with, you know, the lack of nutrients, you're just constantly losing weight. You don't have enough food. So it seems to be impossible unless you had some, a following boat or something to be able to get the calories you need for that long. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you handle the, I mean, you said the food drops, but like what did you have a plan for how many calories you ate every day or was it kind of just like we're going to eat when we're hungry or what three dehydrated meals a day okay. and then some bars on a couple bars on the water yeah but that's not enough because those are usually like about 600 to 600 calories i'd say yeah. 650 on average so you take that and then the bars i mean we're putting in maybe 2,000 calories a day Jeez, man. That's not enough. But you can't hold much more. I mean, we could max hold 72 dehydrated meals, and that's all we could stuff with all of the bags and gear. Yeah. Which is 12, um, that's 12 days. Dang. So that's our max distance in between a food drop. Wow. That's so I, the part of your guys, the trailer for your documentary that just like completely captured my imagination, or mm -hmm. maybe it was just a quote I saw on your website, but. It was from Kelly Slater, and he said, it's like summiting Everest for the first time. And I think what he, like, 
the first person to ever summit Everest. Like it's something that was completely unheard of, you know? And yeah, I just, it's just mind blowing. Like, was that on your mind as you were paddling every day or was it just kind of like, we just got to get through today or, or what? Like, did you know nothing of that? It was like, <laughs> not even, it was, wasn't even get to Mexico. We'd not even get to the food drop depended on the conditions. It was mostly, it was get through the day. But if the conditions were really bad, it was I need let's go I need to go four hundred yards. Yeah. Dang man. That's all I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get four hundred yards and you have to just compartmentalize, break it down and go, okay, I need to go I need to go to that log up there that's another three hundred yards up there. Yeah. That I see on the coastline and then you keep paddling like that. Yeah, just breaking it down into like reasonable chunks. Yeah, it's just it's too big to think about the whole thing it'll ruin you. I just don't think any, you can mentally get through something doing it like that. Yeah. Did you guys, what, like, what were your conversations? Like, did you eventually kind of like run out of things to talk about or, or what? Uh, depends. I keep thinking of Baja where it was just a lot of trash talking on the water. <laughs> it was like yeah. every day it was just this awful race. It was like the worst time of your life because you just have to beat your brother. <laughs> there's no reason to go any, there's no, it's a pointless race. So there's just no reason <laughs> to do that. So I keep thinking of that. But in, in the first one, I think, uh, I don't, there's a little bit of trash talked, you know, just the whole day, but you're more kind of, yeah, I don't. I don't even know what we talked about. Yeah, probably a lot of weird stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of strange things all day. You know. <laughs> yeah, and then you're kind of split up, so you're not by each other for a while, and then you're back together, thinking, talking about weird shit all day. I don't know. You yeah. know <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, because I was kind of like, how do you keep your mind active? You know, like I guess entertainment, right? Like, how are you entertaining yourself, or are you at all? Or are you just kind of like accepting the fact that, you know, you're, you're on the ocean, you're in these wild places and you should kind of like, you know, just let your mind wander at that point. Just let it wander. Yeah. I mean, I have conversations to myself a lot, but at a certain point, you know, eight hours every day, you got, you're going to start wandering, you know? Yeah. You're, you're also focused on where you're going like waypoints, but you know, you know, hours two to five, you don't even need to look for anything. Cause you're not, you just need to go, go down the coast, you know? Yeah. Would you say you were in flow state, you know, when they talk about athletes, when they're completely unthinking at that point and they're just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, at times for a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. An extended flow state. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. when that- conditions are really gnarly. You can't talk. You can't hear anything. You're just in your own head. You know where you have to go, and you're just in this like constant movement turmoil. You're not stopping. You're not thinking about anything. You're you're going to one place, and that's everything. Wow, man! How gnarly did the conditions get? I mean, pretty pretty bad. You know, like just the water, cold water, rain. The day four glove was probably the coldest it got. Where you're getting kind of that little bit of snow yeah but um yeah i think just a really windy like really windy that's when i broke my board the first time it was blowing 35 knots which is kind of the unpaddleable zone uh we were stuck one time in oregon actually for three days these thermals hit and it was blowing 40 45 knots 
onshore. So you just get blown sideways. So we had to buck down in these, you know, hunker in these kind of coastal dunes for three days. And we were kind of, we were, let's see, we each had a meal. We had each had a meal left, so we didn't have any food. So we were just kind of didn't move. Just, yeah. just kind of don't move because you don't want to burn any calories, but we couldn't paddle. So it was okay. You know? Yeah. Damn. You're used to it, I guess. Yeah. So how big of like, how big did the waves get? And... Biggest of waves got was probably 10 to 12. Which is one of the days that Ryan broke his his board. That yeah. was up in Northern California. It's huge. Yeah. How do what like describe breaking a board? I'm not like I'm not a paddler. Like I, this is pretty, like outside of it would be totally outside my comfort zone. But how do you how do you break a board? Uh well, geez, the first one, it was blowing really really bad, and this kind of set wave came offshore, and it wasn't that big. I mean, it was maybe head high, maybe a little bit bigger. And it just, it caught me, you know, right at the top and Ryan made it over. I was a little bit inside of him and then the board went over and then I kind of braced for impact knowing I was going over the falls and I landed right in the middle of it. And I kind of knew right away that I snapped it, but the, um, the top glassing was hung on. So the board didn't just break apart. Yeah. It's still kind of together. But when you have, two 35 pound bags on each side of it you know it's 18 feet long it just you get an impact like that it's going to break it even with all it was carbon and double glassed and really thick didn't matter yeah so do you have to pull it over and and fix it up or what do you yeah we that one we couldn't we were in dune city oregon had to call our friend pat who's i don't know how he he's the best friend you know he's yeah. we're all hey what are you doing he's all i just woke up from a nap hey pat and we're all yeah um we're in oregon uh we have <laughs> to get a board from joe bark like could you pick us up he's all yeah i'll leave in 20 <laughs> 15 hours later he shows up and picks us up which was the weirdest thing because i hadn't seen anybody for four months you know at that point we've been out on our own well, like people you know anyone you knew anything familiar get a board the turnaround was about five days and got back up. Wow. Maybe four days actually. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, man. We could get to LA. And then Ryan snapped on just a really big swell, huge waves like that, you know? Like same deal? Like just the weight on each end? Um, I don't know. I think his, he, it was such a big, powerful wave and it was short, like kind of short break, 10 to 12, and it kind of caught him from behind and then he flipped over with it. And the way I saw it, and I just, there's no way a board or, I'm just glad he was fine. You know, yeah. you just can't, the board's not going to make it through that. Yeah. 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 What about like wildlife encounters? Cause I, you know, to, to someone who hasn't done this, I would be thinking about like sharks or bears or any of that stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, biggest fear going in was, wildlife yeah then you realize it's just not <laughs> that's not the biggest fear it's what you have to deal with every day the weather but yeah. you're always thinking about this massive grizzly or something um yeah we didn't have any grizzly bear encounters which was cool uh black bears a couple times yeah in yeah on vancouver island and then northern california and then i mean i don't know how many times like sharks were around us but we saw i got bumped in oregon which was interesting and then the next day 
shark came around us twice, but I know usually with uh, great whites, if you see them, you're not going to get attacked. Okay. So I didn't really worry. Big one. Um, I guess I'll go into that one a little more because there's a story to it. Um, we were with our buddy Pat's paddling with us and and Kudo, two of my best friends. So there's four of us, Michael, Kudo, Pat Cullen, and Ryan and I. And we're going down to stay a mile off of shore. They won't let you go that close. So we're out pretty, you know, pretty far out. And we see a group of sea lions, like a, a pod. I'm not sure exactly the right, unfortunately, damn, the right term. But see a bunch of sea lions and they're jumping. Looks like they might be hunting or being hunted. Not really sure. And then five minutes later, one just kind of gets ejected into the air and does this kind of horizontal, you know, 720, a really weird movement. And you, we just all knew, we're like, oh, the landlord's out, you know? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a great white out here right now that's hunting. And, I mean, 10 minutes later, I was in between Pat and I on my court side and four feet apart, and there's this massive, you know, trash can-sized head right next to Pat's board, looking straight up, maybe about a foot and a half from breaking the surface of the water. It's really clear out there, so it just looks so close, and then it just drops back down silently. But it was huge. I mean, it's just a massive head. That's insane, man. And then it just, you didn't see it again after that, or? Well, and we're off on this, uh, by this nuclear power plant, so we can't go in. So we just had, the, I think we had 10 miles left, so we just had to finish the day out. <laughs> Man, I would, how do you not just freak out in that moment? I mean, I guess you can't, like, this is like, at yeah. the end of the day, you're like, I can't do it. I can't freak out. It's not going to help anything, but. Yeah, you just can't freak out. You just have to go, all right, that sucks. Did you guys just look at each other and be like, hey, did you guys just see that giant <laughs> great white? <laughs> yeah. Well, Pat, Pat was, saw it and, uh, first, and Pat goes, He's like fingertip paddling. His hands are barely touching the water. He's all shark, 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 shark. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> we group up pretty tight. Well, Mike, or uh, Pat, Ryan, and I, and then our buddy Mike, who was just gassed from the paddle, we're all, Mike, there's a there's a massive great white out here. And he goes, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm just too tired. <laughs> so he's back on his own. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Like to, you know, He's 20 feet back, just isolated, looking like the straggler, exactly what they'd want to pick up. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. But at that point, just the, he was just, he was asking, great. <laughs> the fatigue just got him at that point. That's hilarious. Oh yeah. He didn't care. Yeah. He was ready. He was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, so man. Okay. So as you're pulling into California, like you're finishing it off, like I have to imagine the experience in Alaska was different from the experience in California. Can you kind of like talk about the differences there? Yeah, I mean, we'd been more seasoned. We'd broken into it by the time we hit California. I mean, Northern California is totally different. I, I the yeah. biggest contrast I think is when you're in LA, right under, right by the LAX, and there's massive jets flying over you, and you know, the water's warm, sun's out, the air is smoggy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's this, there, there's this major contrast because. Alaska, it's like kind of nice. We sometimes we have this romantic ideal about being out in the middle of nowhere, but you get to a point where you know finding a structure or humans or anything is like kind of a creature comfort, 
and it means safety and you really appreciate it. So I would love, I loved to see people up there. You want to find people because yeah. it usually means some sort of safety, warmth, somewhere dry, but you're, and you're also though, like you're in this pristine environment. I mean, there's, it's just, it's absolutely, you know, untouched up there. Yeah. You know, there's no roads and there's nothing. You're just Island hopping. There's waterfalls up there that we would name national parks of down here, you know, or state parks in California, but there's no name. You're just cruising by these areas and it's cold and rough and you're always wet. You're always cold, hungry. And then, you know, seven months, six and six months later, we're down to LA. There's people everywhere. It's the water's, it's windless. There's the water's warm and you see people all the time. There's this other side of it where you're, you're like full, you have full stomach every day, but you kind of long for those tough times when you're in the middle of nothing. Yeah. Cause every, that's where you learn lessons. You know, you don't learn anything paddling out in LA when you can come in and go to a restaurant and get a, you know, a burrito and a cold beer at the end of the day. Yeah. You learn when you're in a really bad situation, you're kind of, you're out suffering. Yeah. What did- and then, but you also appreciate those things because, because of it, like you open your, your scope, you know, your yeah. scope of what happens, you know, you need to suffer. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, what did you guys learn? I mean, what did you learn about yourself? I mean, we kind of already talked about like you and your brother's relationship <laughs> and stuff like that, but what, what did you learn about what you can handle or just about your own mindset or anything like that? Yeah, I think the big thing is I learned how to be a really good teammate because you grow up doing team. I grew up doing team sports, and you know I was like, oh, you know, it's fine. But you don't really understand until you're in a situation where you are so reliant on the other guy, yeah, and they're relying on you that you have you have to do the right thing there. You have to be a good teammate. So I kind of learned how to do that through the process and. And probably the only thing I'd learned that to be happy, I just need to be warm, uh, dry and maybe have a full stomach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good, and, man. Yeah, just basic I, human needs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause when you're everything, when those are all stripped of you, they're the most important things in the world. Yeah. So and that's like, why it's important. And like silly, like drama or worries or anything like that, like really doesn't matter when you're cold, hungry and wet. Oh, it doesn't matter <laughs> at all. None of it's important. It's like, what did they said this about you? Like, I, I don't care. You know, yeah. not, nothing matters apart from that. And that's the, I, that's the coolest part about it. You, you take away all the stuff that's not important. And you're in a special place where you, you know, you realize what is, you know. Yeah. Definitely. You know the Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yeah. 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 That's what it made me think of. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. That makes sense, man. I, I was laughing. One of my buddies was texting me. He was at a bar and he was just like overhearing this girl's conversation about how she's like, okay, I, this guy I want to date, he's going to be at this concert with his sister. And like, maybe I'll befriend her, his sister and all this stuff. And I'm like, I was texting him back. I'm like, why doesn't she just ask him? Like she needs to like be in like mountain lion country and realize what's important and what's not important. So you know what I mean? <laughs> like what, <So> badly. <laughs> like what you could actually should actually be afraid of versus, you know, these made up fears in your own mind. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think life is just so easy. Now people got to go find things to make themselves 
experienced things and suffered because the moment you get caught up in that kind of dialogue, yeah, you're lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We gotta we it, we gotta help that chick. We could throw her out in the middle of nowhere for a while, you know. Yeah. She, yeah. She'd come back so stoked. She'd be all fired up. She wouldn't care about that concert or any of it. Exactly, man. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that's what to me what seeking out adventure is is it's really teaching yourself about what you actually need versus what you're stressing out about in your own mind. Like what are you, what problems are you making up versus what problems do you actually have to face and address? Oh yeah. That's I mean, that's gotta be a huge part of it, you know, because I always look at it as if someone like lives their life and they're like, here's their kind of like, it's not a very wide scope, you know, like their spectrum of like their conscious, I guess you could say. And they're, all they're trying to do their whole life is search, like be like live a pleasurable, enjoyable life. You know, you're really not going to get to that max happiness. Yeah. You have to go into a really dark, terrible place and really suffer, you know, amount that you can handle. And you'll just widen that scope and you'll be in a better place when you're done with it. Cause you'll realize how important the things you had were and what's not important. And then you'll be happier because when everything's stripped and all of a sudden you're, you're back home, you got a full meal, you're sitting down with your family. You're like, this is Nirvana. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. man. It's taken for granted. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Like you're taking those normal everyday moments. And now since you've had these really hard stuff, like hard times where a great white shark is looking at you in the eyes, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, you're able, those moments that are regular, like now seem like way elevated because you know, you you can appreciate them on a different level yeah i think you like even for me though i still i have to go out and do stuff that's going to make me appreciate that because i mean i remember but you don't the same way i was thinking going back to baja was it you know you're paddling down baja was able to get back there again but you have to keep putting yourself in uncomfortable uncomfortable terrible you know like rough situations to recognize that again because if you don't forget it even for me you know anyone yeah is that kind of what led to so you got down to california um for how long a couple like a year or so or two years and then a year and a half a year and a half and then you took off and went went uh you know on the coast of mexico from there um is that why or what was the reason i think just the curiosity that kind of drove us out there trying to find see new things, kind of explore new areas, see stuff from that different perspective. I mean, it's an interesting, it's such a slow way to go up and down the coast, you know? Yeah. I think it was landing before I'm wondering, Hey, what's, what's around that next point, you know? And I mean, by the time we were in San Diego in that area, everything was so easy and so nice. I figured, you know, you just keep going. (laughs) Yeah. But Baja was still, Baja was really tough still. But, um, yeah, I mean, you de- you know you're going to get back in that mindset. You're going to deal with – you're going to suffer, and you don't want to, but you know it's it's good for you because those are the moments you look back most memorably, you know. Yeah. Like you, you realize you're just in a, a gnarly state, you know. For me, I remember I think Washington was the hardest part of the first paddle, and then there were stretches near the end in Baja that were really rough and so good for you to have to deal with that. Yeah. What made them rough? Um, Washington was lack of food, terrible conditions. And I had severe back pain, like the worst pain 
I was in the worst pain I've ever been in my life, but we had to keep going and we're going to run out of food. So it's like, I don't, I don't really have an option. Be, like it, it hurt to walk even a little bit, you know, paddle was awful. And then Baja was just a lot of food deprivation. Yeah. Yeah. Way worse. We were food rationing way harder. And we're just burning more calories because you got to pump water from the desal pump and fix all these things. And it was definitely pretty shitty. Yeah. Was <laughs> not, it was it just not as developed along the coast so you couldn't do the food drops or what? Yeah, I think I think we weren't able to get at food drops what we needed. You know, we buried a couple boxes of food. So at other ones, we would kind of recover. We would grab some a little bit of extra food some extra bars and stuff and we weren't able to do that down in Baja. Okay. So it was more of just you have what you have and you, that's it. Yeah. Which is a good lesson, you know, for preparation to try to figure it out. But yeah. See, I lost like a sixth of my body weight. Oh my God, man. Mostly on the back end there. Yeah. Yeah. They. So I heard this quote once yeah. that the, uh, the last, 10% of an adventure takes 90% of the effort. Like, do you agree with that? Or is that your experience or, or what? Like as you're approaching the end, it gets like ridiculously harder. Mm, maybe a little bit, unless it's really bad somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough because you, you start, it's really because, you know, we talked about not looking ahead and looking just at the day. Yeah. You start looking at the end. That's when it gets so it's like just kind of ruins your mindset, which happened in Baja. So you just have to kind of refocus yourself, get back in the mindset, and then you'll be able to figure it out. And then it's not that tough. But the moment you get you start looking towards the end, yeah, yeah. that's when you're going to get screwed. Yeah, definitely, man. Oh, man. So, okay. So as your guys are putting together this documentary, which which we can – I'll make sure to put in the, in the show notes where to find it on Kickstarter. And I would like oh, highly yeah. recommend everybody like – backing the project like i i'm just psyched to see the movie um but like as you're getting that together what kind of like what challenges are you finding now like trying to you know you're taking 2200 miles worth of paddling and putting it into like a two-hour movie yeah one hour one hour <laughs> yeah um oh it's been such a challenging process i did not realize it would take this long i think the biggest part really it's just getting funding because most companies want it to come up from within their company and we didn't do it with any other sponsors you know we had some things come up maybe just before Baja, but we're like we're going we can't wait for you to get stuff up and rolling so yeah it's been really challenging trying to get the process of funding you get a lot of people blowing smoke and being like yeah here you go like this will be great yeah we'll do this for you but it really you just have to be you got to find a way to do it otherwise, you know? Yeah. So it's been a huge learning process trying to get this whole film out. It's taken so long. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, can you talk a little bit about the, um, Kellen Keen, the filmmaker who's directing it and all that stuff? Oh yeah. Kellen's, Kellen's great. Yeah. He's one of my best friends. He, uh, he's done just a lot of great projects. Um, a lot of the Yeti stuff you'd see on the past and worked on Unbroken Ground and a couple really cool, cool films. And he likes, he's a storyteller, you know, he's big. Um, he used to, that's his thing, likes to tell great stories. And this was something that he wanted to 
kind of attached to. And we didn't know each other that well before. Obviously, we do now spending, all, you know, <laughs> so much time together. But, yeah, he he's just done a phenomenal job telling the story in what I think the right way is and not, not leaving things out, telling in a way that, you know, we would be – we're stoked on it. The audience is going to – I think they'll be really fired up and – yeah, I was. I'm just really impressed with the way he did it. I don't know who else. I don't know anyone that could have done it in the way, the fashion that he's done to tell this honest story, in a way that people are going to really like to see. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. So, uh, what's kind of like the plan? Like, when do you want to have the movie out? What are you guys going to do with it once it's out? Yeah, so we'll do. A, hopefully, do the festival release in the fall, which will be great, and then do some touring of it which, you know, pick some interesting film festivals yeah. and um, places you you think it would be, you know, well-received by an audience and then go forward from there. That's awesome, man. Well, okay, so as we're kind of wrapping up, like what's what's one last like really big takeaway um, that you would want to share to people? Because, you know, everyone's out there seeking their own adventures. You know, some of them could be, you know, <laughs> a lot smaller in comparison, but what, what would mm -hmm. you, what would you tell people? Like what, what would be some advice to like leave them with? Mm -hmm. I, I think it goes back to what we talked about a little bit earlier is you have to just, you have to go, you have to do it because you're not going to, you're going to get nervous and you're going to think, Oh, I'm not prepared for this and that. But you just, at some point you have to pull the trigger yeah. and go for it. Yeah. Definitely. Cause that's what that's people have great ideas. You just have to do it. Yeah. People don't follow up with it. Yeah. It's, it's the idea to bring into that to fruition. That's the hardest thing. Taking it from inspiration to like actionable, like here's what I need to do to get started. Yeah. Yeah. Take it into the tangible and make yeah. it happen. That's yeah, awesome. Man. Most, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you for coming on the show. Can you kind of like tell people where to follow the story? Uh, like I said, Kickstarter is called By Hand, the film, and I'll put it mm -hmm. in the intro and the outro in the show notes and stuff. But definitely support that. Like literally as soon as we're done talking, I'm about to go on and back the project and stuff like that. So well, yeah, follow uh, my example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, we're at, uh, at By Hand Project on Instagram. There's a By Hand project in a Facebook page that's mostly just linked up to our Instagram. So most of the information's there and you can find the link to our Kickstarter on the Instagram bio as well to find more information about it. And it'll take you right to the Kickstarter page. That's awesome, man. And definitely watch the trailer. I'll share that too. Um, cool. Thank it's, you. Yeah. It'll make you it's so excited to just watch the whole thing. So, <laughs> so yeah, man, Casey, thank you for coming on the show, man. Best of luck with everything in the future. And uh, I really appreciated being able to chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. You too, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate yeah. it. All right, guys, that'll wrap up this week's episode. Um, huge thanks to Casey for coming on. Uh, like I said at the beginning, please, please, please support their film. Uh, it's just because selfishly, I want to see it. <laughs> um, it's called By Hand, the film. Uh, it's on Kickstarter. I'll put the link on here and everything like that and put it on uh, all of our social media stuff too. Um, I've supported it. It's a movie I'll totally dig. Uh, you know, one of my favorite, like I, I'll go through and I'll sit down and be like, okay, I want to watch a movie. And I'll kind of like click through stuff. And a lot of things don't really pique my interest too much. Uh but adventure films, documentaries, like I'm a hundred percent all in. Like I will totally, 
check that out because I think for me, part of it is using those films as inspiration for my own adventures. You know, as, as I watch them, there's this like need for me to go out into the mountains or this need to me to go out and explore the unknown. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, life gets busy and you can't go out and do that as often as you would like. And, but always having this in the back of your mind of like, this is something I need every so often, because like Casey said, like you learn those lessons and there are moments where you need to relearn them. I've, I've felt the same exact way. It's, it's funny talking to him because I'll have some lesson come to me in a, like an ultra run or something and it'll be so clear. And for the next month, I'm like living under the umbrella of this new lesson. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, I figured out life, you know? And then after about a month, it starts fading. Like I, I think back, cause I'm about to do desert rats again um, in a couple of weeks, but you guys could see here, if you listen to those podcasts, I left that race with this understanding about how people are connected and how, if we all work together towards this one goal, we can all form like a wonderful, beautiful community, you know, and that we can all help each other out. Right. Um, and I left it feeling that way. And I felt that way for months, man, but that slowly fades over time. And now I'm kind of like craving that same lesson. I'm craving the same understanding that I had last summer. And so I'm heading back out there. Um, and maybe I'll find that lesson. Maybe I'll find a completely different one. I don't know. That's the fun part about adventures. And I hope you guys are leaving the podcast feeling that way. Um, and Casey and Ryan, like keep telling your story, man. Keep sharing it. Keep taking on these crazy events, dude. It's incredibly motivating, incredibly inspiring. It's, and I think it's important, um, important to kind of pass these messages along versus passing negativity along. Um, because to me personally, like just passing negativity along online or in person or whatever, like what's the point of that? That seems like a huge waste of energy. Uh, but being able to spread this message of adventure, um, discipline, uh, overcoming adversity and like being brave enough to like step into adversity on purpose because you know, it's going to help you grow as a human. That's what I think is truly, truly the most important thing. And that's what I'm hoping I'm doing, adding my tiny part of with this podcast every week. So, um, and obviously Casey and Ryan are adding a huge part of that to the people who, who hear their story. So, um, thank you guys. Uh, I'll keep you guys, uh, everyone out there who's listening, I'll keep you guys updated on uh, their film and when it comes out and I'll let everybody know so we can all kind of enjoy this thing together. So, all right, guys, we'll get back at you next week. Have a good one.